Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. To another episode of Vertical Momentum, I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as The Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be the episode that you're going to want to download, you're going to want to share it, because are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you tired of your business not being the way you think it should be? Well, we are having one of the most, when I, you know, they say sometimes coaches need coaches, and when I'm feeling down and I'm feeling depressed, Dan is the man that I talk to. So, guys, we're going to have an amazing conversation. Guys, and we're also doing a special that if you leave a comment and you subscribe on our uh, on iTunes, we will shout you out in one of our next episodes. So make sure you do that. Um, Dan, my brother, what's going on? Rich, man, good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, man, I'm so sorry about all the, the <laughs> technical difficulties, but hey, if that's the worst thing that happens today, we're having a pretty damn good day. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, just uh, relax, refresh, reset, and try it again. <laughs> That's what I happened. Love, and I just got done doing my workout. I just got done listening to two of your episodes on your on your amazing podcast. So it's got me all pumped up and ready. So well, first of all, uh, I want to you know talk a little bit about you, and we're, we're going to hop in the Wayback Machine. So <laughs> sounds great. Uh, where you're from, uh, where you grew up, and what kind of little boy was Dan? Oh, man. So, um, wow, that is way back. So, I was born in Florida. Um, I lived here for about, uh, I say here because that's where I live now, but I lived here for about three and a half years. Um, my father passed away when I was about three, and subsequently, we moved to Virginia where my grandparents lived at the time. Um, and I grew up in the Chesapeake, Virginia Beach area of Virginia. Now, were you a an athlete? Were you a good student? Did you have any brothers and sisters? I have two younger brothers. Um, one of my my middle brother is six years younger than me, and um, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I honestly don't know how many years behind my youngest brother is. But he's still around, and we still kick it. So um, I, I, it's just. I, I never really looked at how old they were. <laughs> um, so I had two younger brothers. I was um, I was interested in athletics and sports, and I initially was a great student um, until I found myself bored with school. And, and so I, that took a, a slight turn for me, uh, probably around the junior high school years, maybe slightly before that even. I just was bored with the system and the way it progressed people into something that just never felt like it fit. Um, and with regards to athletics, I played football for a while, um, ended up with uh, pretty significant knee injuries early on. And so that sort of put a shutdown to my athletic prowess. And uh, I just pursued adventures from there. Now, were you um, a big reader? back then was that something that you loved to do? <laughs> no. no no man i i enjoyed the outdoors um you know back then we we had like really two things we had like six channels on tv and we had you know atari um and a lot of my friends were and i think you know somewhere in that time frame is when the commodore 64 came out so there was you know some computer versions of games back then but a lot of my friends spent a lot of time stuck in video games and we see that today and never, never could sit still for that amount of time. And I, I wasn't ever diagnosed with ADHD or anything might've been pre ADHD, who knows, but um, I just enjoyed being outdoors and, and getting into adventure type activities. And I would spend time doing silly things like, uh, bb gun wars and looking back that was probably pretty stupid but we always had fun we always managed to figure out how to spend and maximize our time outside uh, even in the midst of the rain and the storms and all the other things we'd play football in the snow and you know we just we just tried to have a good time and i i spent a lot of time doing that connecting with people and and not 
not being reclusive, I guess. Now, um, obviously, you went to high school, obviously. And uh, did you do good in high school? And did you get any scholarship to go to any colleges or anything like that? No, 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 no. Um, in fact, I dropped out of high school. Um, and and I, I do have to give credit. Man, I, w- I wish I could remember the young lady's name. Um, what, a, what an amazing teacher. But I, I was never, like I mentioned, I, I found just a distaste for school in general. Um, never really could connect the dots on how Christopher Columbus sailing the ocean blue and the dates that he did so meant anything to the world around me. Um, what did that really mean? And never, never could connect the dots and the teachers couldn't ever answer the questions. And, you know, with the earlier versions of standardized testing, it just never felt like I was learning anything that was going to propel me to be successful in the real world, at least in my view of what the real world was. And it wasn't working in a factory. It wasn't working on a, on a production line somewhere. Um, and I have lots of friends, by the way, that have careers in, in, in both of those areas and many more. And there's nothing against that. Uh, you know, certainly the system was designed because we needed people to be able to fulfill roles like that. But we also need people who um, can be, you know, creators or inventors or, you know, leaders in some other capacities. And I just never found like the fit for me. And so I had a teacher in high school who knew that I was going to leave and I just wasn't going to finish. Um, I spent some time with her. She devoted her time and energy to me and another young lady that was in school with me at the time for in preparation for our GED. So she helped us study uh, for the GED with the agreement that if we were going to leave that we at least go through this process and allow her to teach us, help us schedule our GED tests and get that before we left. And we did. Um, And the rest is history. Now, back in the day, you know, we're old school, me and you, uh, you could get into the military with a GED. Uh, Don't even try that today. Uh, So now you joined the military. And first I want to ask, what was your mindset in joining the military? Mm. Second of all, I want to ask, cause I, I love this question. Um, I love people's recruiting stories because everybody has a different recruiting story. So tell me about your mindset of joining the military, why you picked what you picked and what was your recruiting um, story like? Well, let me tell you this first in that, excuse me, I didn't, I didn't end up joining the military. Now I looked at the military at 18. I went into the recruiter's office and I said, let's do this. And then for whatever reason, I didn't follow through. Um, And I I like to think of myself as a go-getter, right? When I set my mind to something, I'm determined to figure out how to navigate the world in order to achieve those things. And something just drew me away from that. It, it, It just wasn't the right experience at the time. And so I spent the next few years navigating different things, trying to learn as much as I could, trying to figure out how to get the view from the top. You know, I I grew up watching, um, I didn't mention this, but I grew up with a single mother. And again, there was three boys and we we had to fight for the things that we had. And, And I don't mean physically, but I mean, nothing was provided for us, right? It wasn't like our future paths were set out by the history of our family, um, at least in not my, not in my case. And so I always looked around at the world around me and I saw that there were people who had plans. They knew what they wanted to be when they grew up and, or at least they thought that. And, and that's how it looked to everyone else from the outside. And some of them, you know, had futures in business and other places. And I, I didn't have that example to pull from and I wasn't sure how to reach that yet. So I wanted to explore. And and so I started searching for those answers and I worked hard to propel myself to the next level several times. And I, I did a lot of things before I joined the military and I joined at 26. Um, my recruiting story is fairly simple. It's not, not too fun. Uh, I, not too exciting, I guess is I went in and said, look, let's do this. I'm ready. And, you know, we went through the whole pre-test rigmarole for the ASVAB and um, I did well there. I, I had studied a little, I've never been great at math. So I studied a little bit on the math aspect, but then I went in and um, 
took the pretest, passed that. They said, hey, you know, we've got this program, uh, you know, it's the delayed entry program, so you don't have to join right away. Um, and you can start training, et cetera. And if you, if you pass these events, um, you know, when you leave basic training, you automatically get promoted to X rank. And I said, okay, let's do that. And so I spent, I don't know, six or eight months in the delayed entry program while I was working for Canon USA at the time and their customer relations team. And, and so Canon USA being, you know, cameras and printers and um, copiers and all the fancy things. So, and the customer relations team was managing, um, managing interactions with customers that may not have gone as well as they should have. And so we just kind of negotiated those obstacles. But so I walked in, I did all of the, the things and I went for a run and they said, okay, you can be an E3 when you graduate basic. I was like, great, let's do it. And, and then off I went. So January, that was January, 2002, January 15th, 2002. And I came in uh, as uh, analyst in the intelligence community and uh, my view at the time, because you asked about what that looked like, my view at the time and, and the reason I ended up finally going in uh, to the recruiter's office was because I had just started a, a young family. We just had our first daughter and, or I guess my first daughter. Um, and, and I looked at everywhere I had been and, and what I had already achieved or not achieved, for, again, from my view. And just wasn't quite where I wanted to be or needed to be. And I felt like it was time to do something a bit more responsible. I needed to provide a, you know, a plan, some healthcare options and uh, some steady income. And what better opportunity than the military to get hands-on training that's gonna propel me to the next level? Because in the intelligence community, one of the things I knew to be true was that people were leaving and they were you know, continuing in those careers and they were making good money. And my view of the world at the time also included the view of money as a means to be seen as successful. You know, later in life, I found that that's certainly not the truth. It's certainly not the only truth and certainly not my truth. Now, how many years did you stay in the military? 16 and a half. I retired medically in 2018. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about why you had, why you had to retire? Ah, yeah, man. So I started having back issues back in 2012, I think, um, perpetuated slightly in my time in Afghanistan. Um, yeah, I, there had been, I think there had been an earlier incident with my back and um, no, no real identifiable source. I, there was an injury sustained along the way that, that just progressively got worse. And actually, so in 2010, I think is when I had back surgery. Um, which allowed me to recover temporarily. And then 2012, my trip to Afghanistan, you know, things were, were hurting a little bit. And then ultimately 2015 came around and I'd just gotten back from Afghanistan and, you know, life slowed down a little bit from a, from a, just a heavy pace to a, a fairly relaxed pace. And uh, those things started to catch up to me rather quickly. And then uh, 20. You know, it took a little while of going back and forth with doctors and looking at options and physical therapy and shots and all kinds of other fun stuff. And, and ultimately, um, they decided to put me through the medical evaluation process. And, and their decision was to retire me medically um, due to the, the injuries primarily dealing with my back. Okay, so then I have two questions about that. So I got—I always have a lot of questions. Um, yeah, that's all right. You know, I like questions. Now, you, you did two tours of Afghanistan, correct? I did one in Afghanistan and one in Iraq. Okay, uh, so obviously you came back with your, your back all jacked up. Um, but did you come back okay mentally? Did you ever notice that there was something off? Um, you know... It's hard to say specifically if it was coming back or not. Here's here's one thing that I'll share. I think is important. Um, I, I've had two unsuccessful marriages. Uh, one of them prior to joining the military, and that was just because we were young, dumb, and you know, full of full of life that didn't really have anything to do with each other. And and so um, that was a lesson learned. But then the second one 
lasted quite a while, approximately 16 years. So just prior to leaving the military, I, I went through my second divorce. And I think looking at overall the career, the, the you know, deployments and, and extended TDYs to other places, I, TDYs being temporary duty for those that may or may not know um, that might be listening. So as a whole, I think one of the things that it, it, those pieces added to were my distance from that relationship with my wife. Um, you know, I think the biggest piece to, that we all have to look at and potentially recognize is that the military teaches family first. They teach family first in the perspective that as a a, a non-commissioned officer and more so as a senior non-commissioned officer that you are to place the needs of the sol soldiers that you're in charge of above your own, right? We hear that. It's driven into us. It's in our creeds. It's in our mottos that those are the people who the military sees as our family. They don't see your wife and your children as your real family. And so I... I, I didn't learn in time to prioritize the needs of my real family above the needs of my military family. And it came at quite a cost. And, and I think my time in Afghanistan and Iraq and other experiences only perpetuated those, that distance instead of contributing to a way to improve it. Does that make sense? No, it makes, makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people don't realize that you know, military uh, first responders have a divorce rate anywhere between 75 and 80 percent. So and there's a reason for that. But yeah. oh, you, um, I've talked to a lot of uh, now I'm up to like 380 interviews or something, something stupid. Uh, but I've talked to a lot of veterans, a lot of first responders. And usually when they retire or um, they they, you know, get out of the military. You know, first of all, you know, we all hoo hoo, we're all hardcore, but, you know, we get used to getting paid on the first and the 15th, getting TRICARE, you know, we, we kind of get coddled. So once we leave the military, you know, now your case was different, but once you leave the military, you know, a lot of people, now they lost their job. Now they lost their mission. And, you know, like our, our friend Sergeant Nick from the group says, you know, once you step off base, the military does not give a shit about you and mm. your phone stops ringing. So all of a sudden you're left, you feel like you're left alone. So yeah. you're transitioning like. Um, it wasn't much different, you know, um, having to walk out the door, so to speak, and, and recognize that I was leaving an entire life and community behind. See, one of the things I'd know to be true is that in the military, community is issued to you, right? It, wherever we go, there's community built in. You know, there's a spouse network built in. There is neighbors that are all doing similar things, whether you're in the same unit, the same missions, or the same career fields or not. You know, your neighbors have similar experiences and and you draw from that as you as you transition into a new community and it's it's almost as like nothing has really changed it's just the faces but when you leave all of that behind you really are stepping into a completely different life and recognition of that can be difficult i, I know that to be true you know community um connection pe people thrive in connection whether whether you're an introvert or not you know the truth is in order to, to, it's not the only way, but in order to feel great about some of the things or your contributions, you know, we need people to share that with. You have to be connected with other people. And the view can seem very lonely if you allow it to. So um, I, I recognize that. I recognize the need to identify ways to build community around me. And And one of the hardest recognitions was, because it was issued to us, I didn't, I didn't really know how to navigate making new friends in that new life. And so that was a tough piece of my transition. Okay. Um, now we're going to talk about life after the military, you know, because we all have one of those <laughs> get out. And then we have to kind of, you know, for me, when I got out, I had 23 years between regular army and national guard time. And, you know, I struggled with, 
you know, I was Sergeant Kaufman, but once they told me you're no longer in the military, you know, okay, who's Richard? And I struggled mm. with that until I had to reinvent myself. Yeah. So what, what was your next step when you got your papers where they finally said, all right, uh, we are medically retiring you. It's a wrap. It's over. Hang your uniform up. So um, I, I think I have to mention that I was fortunate in my career um, that I had some recognitions. I wouldn't say early on, but earlier than my departure, um, I was I was fortunate that I I had one of my roles was as a you know a victim advocate for survivors of sexual assault. So um, m mentoring opportunities and and hearing hearing some of these stories from people beforehand in, in, in a different capacity. But then also as a master resilient, resilience trainer for the army, um, these are some of the discussions that we had on a regular basis. And it, it triggered some thoughts for me that, that I think set me up for success ultimately in, in navigating some of those pieces. But, um, so my, my mindset towards, identification as one, um, as a big piece, right? Who, who am I? I recognize that I had allowed, like many others, uh, my rank and, and my last name to define me. Um, the army defined me, or I was defined by my role in the army at that point. And I, I brought it back for myself to a personal level that, no, my name is Dan. Um, I identify as a human, as a person with a name and a face, and I happen to be a sergeant, a sergeant first class in the United States Army. So I had already recognized that piece. That that wasn't terribly difficult. <clears throat> um, I will say though that one of the other recognitions I had after transition was that I did lose who Dan was. I didn't know who Dan was. I didn't know what Dan liked to do for fun. I, I, all of my fun consisted of whatever the military asked of me, whatever the people around me needed to, you know, perpetuate their own careers in the military or, or to be successful at the things that they were doing. I'd forgotten that I love to barbecue. I'd forgotten that I, I have this fascination with lighthouses and the beach and just a, a general, uh, you know, liking for being outdoors and, and doing the things that we talked about doing when I was a kid. Um, I, I'd sort of lost touch with all of that, fishing, hunting, you name it. It, it wasn't, wasn't part of my life anymore because I'd lost touch. It, I'd forgotten. And so that was probably the hardest piece was trying to restore or identify, you know, who is Dan now that uh, the Army doesn't define it for me. I love that. Now, talk to us because you you have so many experiences. Like we had we had such a great time talking on your podcast. Um, I think we could have went for two three hours just talking about yeah, success. So, what did you start doing? What was your next plan of action? Because you know, of course, you know it's great. Like when I retired out, you know, the first week was great. The second week was less great. Third week started to suck, and I started looking around and be like, "All right, I got to do something. This this is getting stupid." Yeah. So what did you do? What was your next step? Well, I was, again, I was fortunate, I think, in that um, prior to going to Afghanistan, I, I had a chaplain who I made friends with, and um, through you know a series of conversations and, and sharing of of some of the interests, I had an interest in. Uh, Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey, and the work he was doing. Our, my wife and I had the time. We're, we're working through the process of eliminating debts in our lives. And, and Financial you know, Peace University. I went through that. I loved it. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, I had been a facilitator for Financial Peace University, and he was looking for someone to contribute to a class before we departed. Um, and through conversations, he he identified that I had an interest in, in one, we agreed to, I was going to co-lead uh, Financial Peace University with him on the, on the installation there in Germany. And then he did an amazing thing for me. He said, you know, we, we could probably set you up to go through the coaches training. You know, at the time it was the financial counselor training that they had. And now it's the master financial coach training. It's just really a similar program. It's just a slightly different focus on who leads it. But, um, so they they actually sent me back to the states, um, and this was when Ramsey Solutions was still doing mobile training. 
So they were in Riverside, California, and I went out to Riverside, you know, spent a week out there with uh, the team from Ramsey Solutions, and they certified me as a, 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 a financial coach, which is what it's known as now. And I brought that back and started contributing in that fashion to uh, to my community, you know, around me, the, the active duty and civilians that were, you know, I interested in learning how to better manage their finances. And so when I started looking at going through the med board process, I was like, you know, I haven't had a plan for what I'm going to do when I get out. And I, I said, you know, I want to find a way to have more control of my own life and, and start looking at exploring the freedoms that I know to be true from other people that have experienced this entrepreneur thing. And, and so I started looking at what I could do. What, what did I bring to the table that would, the normal process for many people, and I mentioned it early on, you know, and when I first joined the military, it was looking at, okay, when I leave, um, my options are really, I just go continue in this same capacity in a civilian role and make a lot more money doing something that I've been taught to do. And I, I lost interest in, it, it just didn't carry interest for me. I didn't feel like I was more than another another number or another assigned role within the, the ranks of the military or at that point looking at the civilian structure. And I said, that's just not for me. So I said, well, what can I do? I said, I'm going to give this financial coaching thing a shot. So before I left the military, I paid for myself. I felt a little guilty using the army's dime. So I went back on my own dime, retrained, re um, which is how I can talk educated about both versions that they offered prior and then now what they're offering. Um, went back, went to the training again, came back, set up a business doing, uh, you know, a side gig of financial coaching. Then I realized that uh, I had no idea how to market myself as a financial coach. So I started exploring options. And about that time, we were introduced to Donald Miller, who had, was in the middle of getting ready to publish his book, Building a Story Brand. Um, by the time I was retired, I had certified as a story brand guide and was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be my avenue to building those freedoms in my life and, and to doing some of the things that I think I, I'm going to be more fulfilled in. Now, of course, um, talk to us about, you know, we talk, as we talked about the other day, um, you know, facts will tell stories will always sell. So talk to us about story brand. Well, the first thing I'll say is that I'm no longer a story brand certified guide. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I am a huge supporter of Donald Miller and the work that they're doing and, and the lessons learned from being intimately familiar with story brand and what they're teaching. And so I'll, I'll just say that you know, story brand outlines a clear and simple framework, right? <laughs> that, that helps you connect with your audience it, it their their entire <clears throat> excuse me their entire methodology is teaching people how to you know simplify and clarify their messages but the paradigm shift that they introduced and that donald miller talks about so eloquently is that recognition that you are not the hero of the story your customers are the hero of the story and you need to recognize how to connect with them to invite them into a story where they see you as contributor as as the guide that's going to help them achieve the success that they're looking for and when you make that shift you can really start to connect with people in, in a much deeper way and and that's um, that that's the real premise of what story brand introduced and what they bring to the table and, and I'll just, if anybody is familiar with StoryBrand, one of the biggest challenges I saw in that process and, and in being a guide was that even though they've outlined a clear and simple framework, we still want to overcomplicate it. So if you go to you know uh, my, mystorybrand.com, you can create a free account and build a brand script right now. The only thing I'm going to tell you is don't overcomplicate it. Just go in there, answer the questions that are presented there in a bullet form, you know, bullet point format. Don't try and put every possible problem and every possible solution in there. Just put 
what is the problem? You know, answer the question. Don't, it's not, it's not this big, complicated, long thing. That's not simplifying it. If you go in there with a clear mind and just say, okay, what is the answer? And you approach it from that perspective, you'll be able to clearly articulate a story that's going to start connecting with your audience. You know, and one thing I love about you and, you know, there's certain people that are, they succeed because, you know, they realize, okay, I don't know anything about like, say, social media marketing. So I'm going to take classes. I'm going to learn. I'm going to put in the work. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they don't want to put in the work, but then they don't see any success. So talk to us because I know you're, you're big on HubSpot. You know, you took a lot of different classes on social media, all kind of sales stuff. So you were, you wanted to know the, the whys. And I, and I, I think, you know, like my mentor, Ed Milet always says, you know, um, once you know your why, you'll figure out your how. So talk to us hmm. about, you know, being, having that curious nature and wanting to learn to know, to learn the whys. Yeah, man. I, I, so I, I am a huge fan of lifelong learning. Um, I love reading now. You asked me earlier if I read books as a kid and I hated reading and I don't know why, but um, I discovered that, that I, I, when I approach things with a curiosity and I start to learn about them, it fascinates me. It presents new challenges and new opportunities. And I start to see what those opportunities and, and challenges might look like. And, and then I start looking for more ways to, to address the challenges that I've recognized. And it's just this, you know, ever evolving process of learning something new. And I, I start, it started with, you know, I told you earlier, I, I didn't know how to market myself as a financial coach. So I started looking for solutions and what could I learn to help me progress past that point. And, and then from there, I looked at why I wasn't successful as a story brand guide. And, and, you know, I had the tools, I had the knowledge and what I, what I didn't have was the right mindset. And so, um, I, I started learning about, well, why, why wasn't this successful for me? What, what, what am I still missing? And I started looking at new opportunities and other challenges that presented when I started looking at why, and, and I discovered, you know, the next things and started putting more and more pieces together. So, um, I, I don't know if I have a clear answer for you, but I do know, um, I really like what you said or your, your mentor shared with you. Cause I, I've been quoted as saying, you know, um, it, it, when we, we, we often look at the why and the how, um, but there's usually something missing when we look at those two things, right? Why, if you're chasing a why, you're going to struggle to find it. it, it at least that's my, uh, my opinion. When you look at the how, the why becomes quite ambiguous. And so um, I, I think when you do it that way, it sort of muddies the waters. But if you define the what, and then you work on why do I want that what, the how starts to become quite clear. It's much easier. So um, that that's what I, 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 I mean, those are just pieces I picked up trying to learn what was missing in my life, what was missing in my work, what was missing in the way I was connecting and reaching people and um, what was missing in all of those things. And it sort of all came together for me um, and I have lots of whys now, but it starts with genuine curiosity. And I love that because that's me. It's like, you know, I don't care how something works. I want, usually I want to know, okay, why, why does this work? You know, give me the background on why I'm, why these things are happening. I guess mm -hmm. I'm just that guy that'll, I'll watch a documentary about a documentary being made about a documentary. <laughs> love to learn so now you know I've, like i said i've talked to you know hundreds of people now and a, a lot of you know seven eight nine figure earners but you know a lot of uh, guys and girls when they get out of the military uh you know they want to start a t-shirt company a hat company liquor or coffee and <laughs> six months later they're ten thousand dollars in debt and don't know what the hell just happened and i think a lot of it um in the military we're taught you know, especially if you were in intelligence, um, we're taught how to write a nine line. You know, we're, we're taught how to mm -hmm. write an SOP and follow an SOP. 
But unfortunately, when we people start our own companies, we don't have an SOP. And like, our, you know, my friend, you know, Stephen Kuhn and, and Lane Ballone talk about it in, in her in book, The Humble Alpha. Um, if you do not have a business plan, you do not have a business. You have a hobby. Hmm. So talk to us about, um, you know, starting your own business and some of the things you wish you would have known then that you know now. Well, um, I, I think the biggest thing that stands out leads back to what I recognized led me to not being successful in my early adventures. Um, and, and that was really that I had been chasing the wrong things. Um, I, like many other people, saw those opportunities as a, as a way to make an income uh, and potentially a significant income. And that's what I was chasing. And it, it changed for me when I recognized that if I stopped chasing the money and looked at how can I utilize all of these things that I've learned and all of the lessons that came along with them in a way that was going to serve people and serve them well, then the money started to come in. And so I, I, I was also in, in debt again. Um, I, you know, we, we, i mentioned earlier, the Ramsey program, uh, you know, we had paid off all of our debts. I was a financial coach, you know, things, things in that arena were well until I left the military and started this business adventure and was looking at how can I make the most income versus how can I make the most impact? And, and, you know, that's led me kind of to where I am today, which is, you know, how, how can I serve people? Well, how can I help more people better? And it comes down to making a positive impact in the life of one other person at a time who can then share those experiences in at least, you know, present a positive experience for the people they interact with. And, and to me that that's more important than the potential to earn a tremendous income. I was chasing the wrong thing. So that's the one lesson that I think stands out um, is going back to the why, right? What, what are the reasons that you're doing what you're doing? And if you're starting a business, it doesn't matter what business it is. And, and you're starting it for the purposes of creating a bunch of money. Um, I think that that's great. One, be transparent about that with the people you're serving. But I would tell you, I would challenge you that if you can look at how can you serve people well with your gifts, talents, or abilities, even if it's coffee, if you can focus on serving people well, I think there's much more potential for a bigger income and impact. I you know, I love that. And I'm a big Zig Ziglar guy. Um, I, I love Zig. I, I listen to him. I read, all his, I read all his books, met his sons. And one thing I love that he always says that you can have anything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. Absolutely. And, and you know, another guy that, you know, I, I look up to a lot, his name is Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. um, and the one thing he says, the best business strategy ever, it's called care. See yeah. the care, you know, cause, and like, you know, and of course, you know, we all read and we all pick up all these things. And one of the things I, uh, I, I don't remember the author, it might be Zig, it might not be, but you know, he said, um, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Yeah, man. And, you know, and I think that for me, you know, I love, I'm a big relationship builder. That's what I love to do. So talk to us about, you know, cause now you, you took courses on social media, uh, probably some, you learned about some branding, uh, talk to us some things about social media and what not to do on social media. Cause I I'm noticing I'm, I'm very big on LinkedIn and I'm always getting those. Um, hey bro. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I have a, I have a million dollar course where you can learn, you know, in, in three days you become a millionaire. And then I, you know, they, these people, they don't treat it like it's a real relationship. It's just like, they just, you know, like in the military, we're taught sometimes you got to pray and spray. And I think <laughs> a lot of people in business do that. And they're not hitting any of the targets because they're not becoming, you know, building those relationships. So can you talk about real relationships? 
Yeah, first let me say that I was a squad-designated marksman, so I don't believe in spray and pray, which lends itself well to my approach. And my approach is simple in that I am a huge fan of relationships. I, I don't remember who said it, and um, it, it just rings true that I believe relationships are you know, the currency of our individual futures, right? When, when we look at business, when we look at community, when we look at the churches you may or may not be a part of, you know, those relationships are what really make all of those things thrive. And so I try to approach relationship building from a place of, again, genuine curiosity. I want to know, are you the kind of person I want to spend my time with? Can we go fishing? Can can we go to the beach and maybe, you know, go surfing or um, can we go hunting together? Can we go hiking together? Whatever it is, can we go do that together? Can we enjoy spending time together? I want to know if you're that kind of person uh, because I want to do business with people who inspire me. I want to be able to inspire and encourage them, but I need to be very interested in that person and the things that they bring to the world for me to be able to do that well. Uh, and, and, you know, that looks a lot like people who may or may not be more successful than me. I, I just shared the other day on Facebook, I think you saw it, but um, I had a coffee conversation with a gentleman. I think this might answer your question well. Um, I, I had a coffee conversation a couple of weeks back with a gentleman that, that called me. It was a cold call your typical cold call approach. Hey, this is so-and-so with so-and-so. And the reason for my call today is blah. And the only reason, first of all, the only reason I picked up the phone is because it's a local area code to the area I'm living in now. It's 321 area code. Um, I, I would not answer the phone if it came from my own area code, oddly enough, because I know that's going to be, hey, your car warranty is expiring or, um, you know, your student loans are whatever. Uh, and I haven't had student loans in, you know, 20 years. So um, they were paid off. And, and so I answered the phone and I listened to him and something about this gentleman stood out. It was just, he was, he seemed sincere just in listening to his approach. Now the approach was again, a typical cold call. And in most cases, people would just shut down or say, nope, not interested and hang up. And for whatever reason, I was inclined to ask him more. And I said, look, I, I, this isn't a service. The service he was selling is, is probably great for retailers. And it's just not something I saw myself being able to leverage and leverage well um, for the cost involved and in getting everything set up. And it was a payment processing system that helped you eliminate um, some of the burden of the 2.9% charges that everybody gets, right? When you're processing transactions, transaction processing at its finest. And um, I, I said, but you know, I'd be curious to learn more because I do interact with people and I'm connected here in the chamber. And, you know, I see that there may be opportunities. Um, so I'd love to sit down with you if you're open to that and just hear more about you, your story, where you came from, and of course the service that you're offering because I, yeah, there may be opportunities that I could, you know, introduce to other people. And he was like, wow, yeah, I mean, one of the things, he started telling me all kinds of things just from that opening. I didn't turn him off completely. I did tell him up front, I'm, I'm probably not your client and probably won't ever be. But if you're open to a conversation, let's do this. And he started telling me some interesting things. And he was, you know, one of the, one of the pieces that stood out was that he was interested in learning how to network more um, and, and, you know, just continuing. Now, let me back up and tell you what I did learn about him was that he's been in sales for more than 20 years and has been quite successful in that capacity and that this cold calling thing worked for him. And so I started asking him about the numbers. I'm just curious, how many, how many calls do you have to make each day or each week in order to get an appointment booked where you can then start talking to them more and then move to the proposal process? And he shared all his numbers with me. And I said, how about this? How about if we meet for coffee? And if you're open to it, I'll share some advice with you on connecting with people through that calling process that I think could help you close those appointment rates. And so we did. We sat down. Um, we had coffee together. I was genuinely interested in, could I spend time with this person? So I started learning all about him, his family, how many years he spent in Chicago and where he went, you know, where he was before that and how he ended up here in Florida. And it's just a fascinating conversation. And then I, I fulfilled my promise. I offered some advice on 
just connecting with people from a place of curiosity and opening his sales calls slightly differently. And within a couple of weeks, he reported back to me that he'd already increased his, his closing for the initial appointment, right? That's that cold call to, can I sit down with you or can we schedule a, a further meeting? Um, he increased that by 33%. I hope that answers your question well. Oh, de it definitely does. Um, so now um, I love, like I said, uh, I went and did my cardio this morning because I figured, you know, now, like I said, we talked, you know, earlier on, on, on your amazing podcast. Thank you. So grateful and humbled to be on. Um, you know, we talked about mindset. We're both big mindset guys. Yeah. You know, since I decided, all right, you know, I want to, I, you know, I want my podcast to now, we're, you know, move up and now we're in the top 1%, but I, I, I continually want to learn. And I, I, I usually walk for an hour, hour and a half. So I, I downloaded audible and, and, and I'm, I'm, I got a lot of books that I'm listening to and, and learning, constantly learning. So, you know, now you have your own podcast. Talk to us a little bit about that, how that came about. And uh, tell, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your show, which I think is truly amazing. And um, I had so much fun on it. And one thing I really love that you do is when you have a guest on, you really share it everywhere. Because I was getting pinged everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I was getting pinged everywhere. So I, I love that something that you do. You just don't have a guest on and totally forget about them. So please talk a little bit about why you do, you know, why you do your podcast and some of the things. <laughs> that you've learned since doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first of all, it goes back to answer your social media question in that I look at ways I can serve other people. Well, um, it's, it's not about me. It's about, you know, encouraging and supporting and inspiring others. And that's the reason my podcast exists is to encourage, inspire and support others. Uh, and so the best way I can do that is by helping them share the things that they're doing and, and, you know, my podcast is just one outlet for that. Now, the reason I started the podcast in the first place, and, and if you go back and listen to a few of my first episodes, you'll see that the format has changed completely. Um, but I'm not getting rid of it because those are lessons learned and it's part of documenting the process. You talked about Gary Vee and one of the things he points out in some early on content was that nobody's doing the work of documenting the challenges that they faced and and the, you know, the building to get where they are. And, he's, and so he encourages people to document that. So I left those initial episodes out, you know, from episode one, where I'm stumbling my way through sharing some content. And it was very marketing focused. Um, because at the time, that's kind of where I was still trying to go. The reason I started the podcast is because I recognize that I don't enjoy writing. And when I look at, okay, for someone that doesn't enjoy writing, but they still want to be able to communicate and connect with people, what are some options that I have? How can people discover me? Um, and, and you know, how can I continue to connect with them? And then what's next? So uh, I looked at a podcast as one solution that presented itself well for being able to share content that wasn't a blog because I wasn't interested in the writing process. Um, but I, I still, at some point, I had connected with my friend, Dr. Fred Jones. I've shared this quote millions of times by this point, probably not millions, but um, quite a bit. And he shared something with me that inspired me. And it was that, if, you know, if, because he, he teaches people how to, how to become bestseller over, bestsellers overnight using Amazon self-publishing tools. And um, he's, he's really good at motivating people to write their stories. And the reason he believes so much in the work he's doing is because he believes that if we as individuals aren't doing the work to share all of those unique experiences and lessons and education, formal and informal, all of those things that make us who we are, that there are people out there who are steps behind us or miles behind us. And they're looking for that next piece that's going to help them take the next step you know, whatever it may be for them. And if we don't do the work of sharing those messages with people, then we're potentially depriving someone of something they desperately need to hear today. And in your work, and uh, I think that that's even more impactful and more true because if 
if I'm in a place where I'm feeling alone and um, like there's no one here that understands me or, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm contemplating, God forbid, contemplating suicide, then, you know, that, that's a, a desperate place to be. And, and if you're not doing the work, Rich, of sharing your message in your heart with people and how you can connect with and help them, then you're depriving them of something that they desperately need to hear right now. You know, and for for us, you know, for people like myself, you know, we're we're concerned with um, you know, paying it forward. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I'm fifty. I'm, I just um, I'll be fifty three this year, and um, I wanted I want to be the best podcaster that I can be. So I started taking a lot of courses and you know starting to learn. I picked up a lot of books and just learning it and putting stuff together. And I came to the realization, you know, you know, like Gary V, you know, I don't normally curse on this show, so, <laughs> but it's my show, so I can do what I want. Uh, you know, he says, you know, fuck what you're not good at and triple down on what you are good at. Yeah. I, I'm great at, you know, interviewing people. I'm great at building relationships, but I suck at graphics. I suck at logos. I suck at corporate copywriting. So what I did is I, just, I hired my team. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, 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 I guess they call it, um, was it paralysis of analysis? They get so bogged down and they don't know, well, where do I start? You know, I want mm-hmm. I got to have the best camera. I got to have the best this. And then they just never start. So mm-hmm. talk to us about, you know, the, the, the simplicity of starting your own show. It can, it can be kind of daunting, but, you know, talk to us about just starting and, and, you know, like I said, just getting it done. I think about it like I think about everything else. And, and you know, it's easy to get caught up and overwhelmed with all of the possibilities, all of the things that you could potentially need. And the truth of the matter is, if we're talking about a podcast, all you need is a, a means to record. And I, I'll tell you, I have recorded an episode just because I wanted to know how to do it from my iPhone and put it into my hosting account and publish that episode. Um, so... All you need is a phone and a message. And each of you has a message. First of all, everybody here has a message. Um, and, and so pick up your phone and record it. You know, the, I just used, by the way, if anybody's curious, I just used the voice recording or the memo app, you know, built into the iPhone. Uh, and that's how I recorded an episode because I saw somebody that said it could be done. So I, sa- I said, oh, well, I'm curious. I want to do this. That sounds cool. So I did it just to test the theory. And uh, I think we can often get caught up in all of the details. That's where I was going with that. And it really comes down to what can I do right now that's going to start moving me in the direction I'm trying to go? You know, it would be nice to have a camera that had great quality. You know, I've been using an iMac here on my desktop um, or my laptop camera, you know, the the built-in cameras I started with, right? And then I progressed to, ooh, I have a Logitech webcam, you know, 1080 HD. That's wonderful. And then, and then I finally just upgraded to a new, a new mirrorless camera for some of my live streams. But, you know, we're talking four years later, um, learning and growing. And I started with the necessities, the basics. One of the books that I think helped me think about that was called Stretch. And it, it talks it really shares the stories of technology companies in Silicon Valley and why, why there was such a high rate of failure. And they examined some of them, and it, it really what came down to people who stretched their mindsets and their resources versus those who were constantly chasing new resources and other things. And, and you know, the best example to give would be starting a new business, right? If, if you're Let's just say we take you and I, coaches. If we take a coach and we say, okay, I want to start a business as a coach. What do I need? And we think that we need a nice office space with a conference room that, you know, could seat 12 people or more. um, And that we need, you know, a place for a a receptionist or a secretary or whatever you want to put there. And maybe you think, you know, in order to be successful, you need four or five additional office spaces, a meeting room so you can meet one-on-one with people. 
when all you really need is the ability to connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a virtual conference, whether it's in person, uh, you know, for coffee, the coffee meeting I expressed earlier, we sat outside of Starbucks because they weren't, oddly enough, here, I'm here in Florida, and, and I, I have to say, first of all, I love the freedoms that I've enjoyed being a, a Florida resident over the past however long, and um, I think in some ways, that's been quite a relief in the midst of all this pandemic chaos. But the one Starbucks we went to still wasn't allowing indoor seating. And, and I just found that odd because every other Starbucks I've been to, including my original home state of Virginia, uh, was was allowing at the time um, in-person seating or indoor seating. So anyway, that, that was a side note. Um, and I, I completely lost my train of thought. So forgive me. But I get excited about little things sometimes, but just those coffee conversations, right? That's all you need. And you need the ability to take payment. You also need the courage to recognize that you have something to contribute to the world. And if someone agrees to sit down with you, that's potentially someone that would be willing to pay you to hear all of that experience and all of that, those life lessons that lead to the questions you're asking them. So and that's just one example. So now a lot of people, you know, they start a podcast and express, you know, they want to make money. You know, they want to monetize. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Like for me, I'm not. And because me and Gary, we have a plan together. Um, you know, I'm not monetizing until January because I for me, I believe that people are not going to invest if you don't have a, a track, if, if, you know, if you, if you don't have a track record and hmm. for me, I wanted to, you know, help a certain amount of people and, you know, build up my, you know, reviews, you know, build up everything like that before I start trying to monetize. Can you talk a little bit about that? I will, if you'll allow me. Of um, course. That's what <laughs> well, cause I'm going to challenge you. Um, I'm going to challenge that that mindset. I think that that's a limiting belief that you're carrying with you that's learned from observing other people. I don't think any of that's necessary. I think if you have a message to share and you're doing it, um, that there are opportunities there. And it may not be big dollar amounts, but if you want to monetize your podcast, there's a lot of creative ways to do that, first of all. It doesn't require sponsorship. And and if if, by the way, anyone is considering sponsorship, I would only encourage you to ask one question. Does this align with my core beliefs, my values, and my way of life? Otherwise, I wouldn't consider representing something that I don't believe in personally. So that's number one. And honestly, I don't, I don't have any interest in monetizing my podcast. So I'll just throw that out there. But I do study um, because I'm always curious of what people are doing and, and what might work well, what and looking at, you know, what lessons I've learned. So from a monetization standpoint, I would say that you can monetize today and, and just be creative about it because, you know, you have a mission that you are working. And if you were to create t-shirts to represent your brand, you could monetize your podcast through those t-shirts or other swag items, right? Or, um, you know, there are ways for people to contribute to your show right now that buy me a cup of coffee. I forget, I honestly forget the name of the program and, and the website you can go to to set that up. But, you know, people can can donate two, five, six dollars um, to contribute to your show. That's one way to monetize your podcast right now. And and another way is to truly just pour into people and share your experiences and lessons and inspiration or motivation or whatever it is you're sharing and um yeah inviting people into the next level experiences with you maybe that's coaching maybe it's training maybe it's something else but you know that in and of itself is monetization and it's not directly associated to the podcast but it comes as a result of building relationships with people that started with the podcast so there's lots of ways to monetize and there are people out there if you reach out to them, would probably be interested in talking to you about sponsorship because like many businesses, they want to get the word out about what they're doing and their mission. And so connecting with people that make sense for what you're working on, 
is a great way to consider sponsorship as well as considering ways to enhance your audience reach. Because if they're involved in sponsorship, they have an interest in ensuring you both win. Ideally, that's the scenario that you've created for yourself. So those are my thoughts about sponsorship. And I think, again, you could find opportunities right now to find people to support the mission that you're serving if it aligns with their values and the missions they're serving, and they would be willing to support you. You just have to ask. So now, how do we um, how do we find you? How do we get in touch with you? How do we find your podcast and your coaching? <sighs> if we want to get coached from you, how do we find you? Yeah, so those are all great questions. And the podcast is the Pro Growth Podcast, and it's on all of the platforms that um, you might be listening on. Um, uh, so Apple Podcasts, of course, I, if you use Apple Podcasts, I would love if you listen to leave a review. Um, and anywhere else that might allow for reviews, I'm discovering that, you know, there's there's not a lot of opportunities for that. So uh, that's number one way to find out more about the work we're doing, the conversations we're having. Of course, you can go to danw.us. That's my website and find out a little bit more about uh, some of our offerings. Coaching is something I don't really market. Um, it's built on those personal relationships and um, I would encourage anyone that might want to talk to me about uh, coaching to, you know, get together with me via my website, you know, danw.us, and let's just have a conversation. I want to find out more about you. Again, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I have the answers that you're looking for. First of all, uh, but I'd love to find out if if there's a potential for us to work together to discover those answers. And if you think that that's of interest. I'm happy to have a conversation, feel that out a little bit. And um, what I like to do, I, I'll be transparent about it, is I follow the prosperous coaching method, um, which is to first invite people to experience what coaching is about, because I can sit here and tell you all of the possibilities that coaching can offer. But until you experience it, you don't really know. And you don't really know if you and I are a great fit for each other. I love it. So, uh, okay. Um last question i have i you know and i i live in new jersey so we're still on uh covid lockdown yeah and we have a lot of parents that are you know driving uber driving doordash because they lost their jobs um mm. we got grandparents homeschooling kids so um if i ask the average american to do something in seven days uh they're never going to get to it but if i ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely to do it. So if there's somebody out there right now struggling with their business, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to right the ship and start pulling ahead? Man, I, I think of so many possibilities. So I think I'm going to say two things. The first one is whatever the one thing is that's going to continue to propel you in the direction that you'd most like to go. And so maybe, maybe that's, um, you know, just looking at the people around you, uh, around you in your circles, like, you know, social media networks, who are you connected with? How can you pick up the phone and reach somebody? How can you message somebody and just work on building a genuine connection with one person at a time? I think that that's applicable in almost any scenario that I could think of. Those relationships are probably the most important thing. The second thing I would say is sometimes, and, and I have to credit Dan Miller for this because I'm a, I'm a facilitator for 48 Days to the Work and Life You Love workshops. And, and that's really just career workshops, helping people look at all the things they bring to the table slightly differently and, and potentially identifying new ways to apply themselves, whether it's in, in finding work that brings more fulfillment to their lives and profitability or creating that work. Um, but he, he said something that I really liked through in this content. And it's sometimes when we think about goal setting and being productive in goal setting, we think about the things that we have to add to our lives. He encourages you to instead look at what are the things you need to stop doing and what can you do this week to stop doing them? I, I love it, brother. So, guys, if you definitely need to check out his podcast, um, 
I did, I guess I was on last week and it was probably one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. It was fun. It was, uh, we could have just went on for hours and uh, we both dropped some serious knowledge bombs. So definitely check out his podcast. I'll leave it in the, um, in the liner notes, guys, make sure that you subscribe and share. And if you enjoyed what we talked about today, leave a comment about what, what you thought and why it touched you. And if you do that, we are going to be giving away. We're going to actually mention you and your business in one of our podcasts in the next coming future guys so definitely check us out subscribe like share you know what to do all right brother have an amazing week god bless you and thank you for being in my inner circle yeah well thank you i'm grateful for you man all right brother have an amazing week you too hey guys if you're enjoying our show if you love what we're doing if you would like to support us we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.